Welcome to Detour to Neverland, where you are the author of your own Disney story. There's a lot of satisfaction in developing ideas into realities. And you can find magic in your everyday life. If you do what you really want to do, you feel like you're playing. How can you write your first chapter today? Dreams are how we figure out where we want to go. Life is how we get there. I'm headed this way. We're your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 254, where we're going to continue our restaurant storytelling series. This is really only the second episode, if you don't consider the Disney Springs intro that we did. And we're super excited today because we're going to be talking about one of the newest places in Disney Springs, one that has a lot of hype around it, mostly because it's going to take you hours to get in there on a normal day. We're going to be talking about Gideon's Bakehouse. And I'm sure it's good timing, and I'm super excited to talk about this one because if many of you are planning a trip to Walt Disney World, I bet you've circled this, that this is somewhere that you have to go on your next trip. So we want to get this storytelling put in place beforehand so that you can experience it to the utmost 10th degree experience to just capitalize on it because you might wait for it. We have gotten lucky. We only waited 30 minutes whenever we went. So you got to time it correctly. But once you get in, there are so many different hidden details and so many different things that we have got to share with you today. Yes. So again, we're not necessarily talking about the cookies themselves, although we can speak to the fact that everything we've had has been amazing. It's definitely something that you should check out. And the story is top notch. Don't sleep on the cakes. That's my biggest tip. You know, that's something that a lot of people say. We weren't quite sure how to take it. We completely agree. I think the cakes might be the best thing they have there. But Bold words. Hopefully you're going with the group. Everybody kind of mix it up and you can try as many different things as possible. Before we get into the storytelling of Gideon's Bakehouse, they, there's one piece of news that came out this past week. Normally we don't cover news. However, it is so appropriate based on two episodes ago. So just in episode number 252 is where we talked about Hangar Bar. Jock Lindsay's Hangar Bar right across from Gideon's Bakehouse. And... In that, we talked about the introduction, to our podcast at least, to the Society of Explorers and Adventurers, or C, otherwise known. And so Jock Lindsay, who is the owner of that bar, of course, as the story goes, is a member of the Society of Explorers and Adventurers. And just like poetically timed, the universe aligned, and Disney just announced last week that we are getting a Society of Explorers and Adventurers TV show coming to Disney+. And I could not be more excited. Oh, absolutely. This is one of, I feel like, the biggest mysteries of Disney. Because they just kind of put this out there. They've sprinkled little things around for people to find. But there's not a lot of official Disney information out there. Exactly. So most of the story and the narrative that has been written on this has really been driven by fans mm-hmm. and by people like us creating content like in YouTube, you know, they talk about this in depth. You know, we watch a lot of offhand Disney 
that YouTube channel talking about this. And now Disney is taking it into their own hands and placing it in the hands of someone that I am super excited about, Ronald D. Moore. So he has worked in the past. You may have seen some of the things that he's produced. Star Trek, Battlestar Galactica, Helix, or most recently, Outlander. Now, we have not watched Outlander, but I know many of you are gigantic fans of it. People always tell Catherine that she would love it. But yeah. you haven't gotten around to watching it yet. No, we haven't watched it yet. It's on the ever-growing list. There's always something new to watch. But, obviously, this guy's a nerd, which we can say that as fellow nerds. Yeah, we love that. We're allowed to say that. And here are just some of his quotes from when they announced this. In the show, the themed lands and characters of the Disney parks and classic films all actually exist in another reality. So this almost reminds me a little bit of that Kingdom Keepers book series that they did. We never read them Mm-mm. because they were geared towards, they were like young adult or like teenage books, I believe. But that was the same thing where like there's this alternate reality where all the things in the theme park actually live. So this is similar. And then he also said, Moore is also said to be working with Walt Disney Imagineering teams on other, on the other projects, which would amount to an interconnected universe similar to Marvel or Star Wars, but within the world of Disney theme parks. Holy cow. Yeah, that's pretty wild to think about, to think that you can expand on an already existing theme park with so much history and background and everything that's went into that, to think that you can expand that more just goes to show that Imagineers are never done. They're never sleeping on the job. They're constantly thinking. So stay tuned for that. We will we will be all over that when it comes out. Absolutely. Right now we're obsessed with WandaVision. We're probably going to do a WandaVision episode here for Detour once it wraps up as well. We don't normally cover TV shows, but our fandom for WandaVision has reached a whole new level. It's at a high, for sure. It has surpassed The Mandalorian, for sure. Absolutely. In our household. We spend all of our spare time watching theories. Talking about it. Talking about it. Waiting for Friday morning. Rewatching old episodes. So that's where we're at in life. (laughs) So let's get back to our topic today, which is the storytelling of Gideon's Bakehouse. We need to lay just some of the early groundwork for what exactly we're dealing with here. So some of the key facts that opened officially on January 16th, 2021, although they did have some soft openings in mid to late December of 2020. We did not go during that soft opening period. We have been now that since they have officially opened. Yes. All of those, of course, are... Brought in with this virtual queue that you're that they're using, which is better than standing in a real line. I mean, yeah, I can't imagine waiting in a real line for, you know, two plus hours, which is what it can sometimes reach, especially at nights, on the weekends, holidays. The line is real. This isn't really the topic here today, but just a insider tip, weekdays, right when they open, that's when you gotta be there. If you really want it. Especially if you're a coffee fan too. We haven't tried they're um, they're cold brew coffees, but we've heard they're quite good. Yep. 
It's located in the landing area of Disney Springs. And of course, if you're not familiar, they sell cookies, cakes, and coffee. The world's biggest cookies and cakes. Correct. So let's, we're going to go ahead and jump straight into it based on this storytelling because it's going to spark all of these other conversations that we want to have about it. And I do think it's important to point out that with this story, it is so new and it's something that is still unraveling. You know, we've been able to put together bits and pieces from different things that we've read, Instagram, even we're going to talk about that, but mostly just from going to the store and talking to the cast members. They're very, you know, willing and eager to tell you about the story of the place if you just ask. So you can go in and you can just get your stuff and leave. But if you take a minute to ask them about the story, they will tell you. Props to you, Catherine. You did the boots on the ground research. I chickened out. I did not want to ask the cast member. I did. About the story. And you did. So pat on the back. And again, she was super excited to tell us, you know, they definitely know it better than any of us. They're standing there all day surrounded by all these cool things that we're going to talk about. So there might be something that, you know, we missed because she just, you know, told us verbally. We didn't record her or anything crazy. So, and it's a story that's still unraveling. So there are still things that are coming out about the story and the things on the walls. And I think that's really cool too. Yep. One other thing that we didn't mention during the key facts is this replaced an old jewelry store. It was like a pearl store. Obviously nobody ever went there. That's why it closed. Yeah. The location is great though. It is a great location. All right. To the story. So as the story goes, during the demolition of the previous establishment, they uncovered a small gap in the brick wall of the building. And inside of that gap was a vintage ledger and an old daguerreotype. We looked up how to pronounce this multiple times. Several times, yeah. Daguerreotype. With the shop's previous owner, Jonathan Lindworm. So that's really the name that we need to remember here. Jonathan Lindworm. You may be asking the same question that we asked. First, how do you pronounce daguerreotype? <laughs> Secondly, what is a daguerreotype? And it is the it was the first publicly available photographic process widely used during the 1840s and 1850s. So the picture that Gideon's uses, it's almost like a little like a a larger style locket. Like it opens. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan's photo is inside of there. Which gives us a good sense of the time also. So we're starting to get a sense for the time period that all of this is taking place, at least the original story for the building, which is always important. From there, we also need to know that Mr. Lindworm was an immigrant. So he immigrated to Disney Springs from Hungary. I actually remember that because I'm Hungarian and who is Hungarian? No one. Whoever mentions that. Your uh, maiden name is much more complicated than Lindworm, though. It is. So maybe that's something we have in common. Do you think you like pierogies? Oh, my God. Duh. Everybody likes pierogies, <laughs> especially Mr. Lindworm. We're getting on a tangent. But he immigrated from Hungary sometime before ni- or, sorry, 1898. And we mostly know that just because that year is actually on top of the sign that's hanging in front of the shop. So again, we're kind of narrowing down to the time period that this is taking place. I could have sworn that the cast member told us the 1890s. 
Which would obviously fit this narrative. Yes. And I don't know if there was a specific year, but just to kind of get our bearings about the timeline here, Disney Springs was founded in the mid-1800s. Most commonly, we pinpointed in the 1860s. So that would be more than enough time. The town started in Town Center, which is where the springs are, and guest relations in that area of Disney Springs. And it expanded outward, and the landing was one of the first areas because it's the transportation hub. Mm-hmm. So that all of that makes sense with the timeline of Disney Springs. Absolutely. So this shop that he opened up, he was known for being a purveyor of rare books and antiquities. And that's basically what the shop was all about. He was a collector. He enjoyed books. He enjoyed things that were a little eerie, odd. I mean, there's so many different words you can kind of fill in the blank. Um, And you can even see this. There's another sign. So not the sign that's hanging down in the front of the building, but on one of the brick parts of the building itself, there's another sign where you can see the same thing. Um, It says Lindworm Bookseller, Curious Books and Antiquities. And this is very common for a lot of the different things that we've seen in Disney Springs and even the places that we've talked about where they leave these old remnants of the original signs to kind of add to that story. So we've seen this at the hangar bar. We see this on the old water tower sign. So it's something that they're carrying through so that we know what this building used to be before it was a bakehouse. And so that's pretty much all we know about Mr. Linworm. Uh, is the dagger type displayed in the store? I'm not sure if it is. It might be in the I, display window. I was going to say, I don't personally remember seeing it, but there are pictures online, so it must be sitting somewhere. Okay. I just, it's very small from the looks of the pictures. So the dagger type is small, but the story that the cast member told us is that during that demolition process as well, in an old storage closet, they found this larger portrait of Mr. Lindworm. And so that is actually hanging in the store. So immediately as you go in the doors, if you look to your right up on the wall that you that shares with the doors, it is hanging up right there. It's kind of in the corner. It but it must, is big. It is big. If you're not using that cast register, it's probably a little bit, it's easy to miss. Mm-hmm. Um, so just kind of get your bearings. As you walk in, to your left is all of these drawings and portraits that you've probably seen online. That's like the gallery wall. Back behind the cast registers is where all of the books and antiquities, the bookshelves, and they're leaning and crazy. They're kind of warped. And then if you keep falling around all the way to the right, that's where Mr. Linworm's portrait is. Yeah, so it's a very small store. They're not working with a lot of wall space, so every inch of this place is covered. So the final question, the last thing that we really know about Jonathan Lindworm is, well, what happened to him? And this is where the store starts to get that kind of eerie vibe, you know, that kind of dark and looming feeling is that the cast member told us that he disappeared, basically. He Went into his store one day, they saw him go in, and then they never saw him leave. So truly, no one knows what happened to him, and that kind of adds to the story of the building. Which is awesome. 
<laughs> it's we're okay. I'll wait. I have something that I want to bring up, and I'm going to hold it for later. Well, do you want to theorize what happened to him? Do you want to create our own theory? Oh gosh, no. I'm not into the whole creepy thing. So I'm not trying to create any theories here. Well, I have one that's not creepy. Okay, what's your theory? A theory could be, if you think about where this sits, it is not out of question that he could get to the tunnels of Enzo's hideaway from here. Do you think he was escaped? Was he a wanted man? I don't know. I also don't know, because we haven't done Enzo's hideaway yet, I don't know the timeline if it would have been there in the late 1800s, I want to say it was later. I think Enzo's Hideaway is much more in the same time period as Hangar Bar, so 1930s and 40s. I was just throwing it out there. Just because if you think, that's a straight shot. It would be. It's in the same area. So So let's think about a more practical point of view. Because we do want to talk about just the Gideon's brand itself, because this isn't its first location. This was kind of like a staple in Orlando, almost like a hidden gem, I guess I should say, before it came to Disney Springs. Yep. So their first location is in East End Market. So kind of in North Orlando area. We have been out there. It's very, very small. It's kind of in this, it's a shared space uh, place. Yeah, there's like, this is very popular in Orlando. We've never seen this before, but it's basically, you know, in a big warehouse and then different shops will kind of rent out like a booth type of space, which is very interesting. And then you can go and you, there's lots of different things to experience, lots of different food to eat, lots of, you know, places you can shop at. But it's a very small, kind of intimate place. And so you might ask, what is the decor out there? And it's similar, but it's not quite the same. You get a lot. It's very dark. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, use of dark woods. Some of the oddity, like borderline gothic style stuff as well. And But the references to books is there as well. Lots of books. And so that's kind of an interesting tie-in between these two locations. But it is, you know, Central Florida, born and raised, local business, really a story of starting from scratch and really expanding. And it's not like if you go to the original Gideon's location, it's like rainbow and sunshine. Because it's interesting to me that the theme does play in. So this storytelling for the bigger Disney Springs Gideons is obviously more elaborate, but it's not what I would call new. So this is definitely the the theme that the owner, Steve Lewis, enjoyed. Yeah, I mean, and I think, you know, the curiosity and the mystery even goes beyond just the theming as well. Because he's said in interviews that he is the only person that knows how to make a Gideon's cookie. All of his employees, nobody knows the full recipe from start to end on how to make this. So he is still the one making the dough from scratch. And he even said that he does it in a dark and a secret place, <laughs> which obviously, you know, that transfers over to the storefront. 
as well. And then he just sends it to the stores where then his employees just use pre-measured ingredients and put them together. He has got to work nonstop. I hope he has family who he trusts because there is no way that one man can make that much cookie dough. He said that he was the only human that knows how to make it. That is wild. Um, it's also worth mentioning that he also runs all of their social media. So if you ever DM with Gideon's Bakehouse, it's Steve, the owner. <laughs> and he writes all the captions. He responds to comments. And so this guy's a workhorse. He is. Another part of this, and it goes back to the beginnings of what this is. You might ask, who is Gideon? And so this is a direct quote from Steve Lewis because it's obviously just easier to hear it in his words than try to interpret it into ours. But he said, for those who don't know, our name comes from a cookbook I found over a decade ago that had faint handwriting and doodles in the margins. The name scribbled at the back of the book was Gideon, and it was apparent he was a young boy that wanted to be a baker. Gideon's Bakehouse is a tribute to that creepy little child embracing a Victorian appearance and listed as being established in 1898, which is the date that the cookbook was published. I was briefly obsessed with learning more about the origins of the book and the name. I hunted for proof of Gideon's name associated with bakeries in the late 1800s to early 1900s with no success. I'd like to think he followed his dream, dream and I certainly think he'd be proud of what we've done in his name because it's done with love and good intentions. Crazy. Oh, yeah. I mean, this guy is obviously into storytelling, um, and it goes beyond his ability to bake thanks to this mystery recipe. But this, to me, ties in a ton to what we see at Disney Springs, especially the part where he mentioned that it's a tribute to that creepy little child, because if you look in the building, you know, if you get to go inside or if you're just looking online, there are lots of creepy drawings that look child-esque in that gallery wall that you mentioned a minute ago. And we started to look it up. The artist behind all of these, in addition to the signs, the gargoyle, he was really one of the, you know, just artists, the, what am I looking the artistic, the design director for all of this. I don't know his actual name, but I know his Instagram name is Mr. Eyes. Um, so if you search Mr. Eyes dot art on Instagram, you can see all of his work. He talks about Gideon's and he talks about these creepy drawings. You also said he was at Festival of the Arts. He was. Yeah, that was on his Instagram. He brought... Some of these drawings, not the exact ones that are in Gideon's, but ones that look similar. So this is definitely his style of I'm art. sad we missed that. I know. That would have been awesome. Why didn't we do this two weeks ago? Well, he only brought six. We would have gotten line six times. No offense, but I don't know if I could put that on my walls. They're creepy. They're beautiful works of art. He's obviously quite talented, but I don't know if that fits my... Happy Disney office vibe. I mean, so as you guys can probably pick up, I'm a lot more into creepy stuff than Catherine is. Clearly. 
I guess that's the Scorpio in me. I don't know. <laughs> what is your sign? My my sign. Yeah. Aquarius. I don't know what that means. Yeah, I don't know either, really. It means you like water? I do like water. Okay. So there there we go. A creepy guy and a water lover. <laughs> <laughs> That's the tagline <laughs> of our podcast now. Okay, so let's get into some of these characters because I do think it's interesting. Again, um, this is coming straight from the words of the artist himself who created all these characters. And he gave each of them a little backstory. So again, we don't know exactly how it ties into the story of Gideon's and the story of Mr. Lind- Lindworm. But Hope. they're going to continue telling the story, which is the most important and exciting part. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this, he's been kind of revealing each of these characters little by little. So it definitely goes to show that he's going to continue to post about them and their backstories. So the first one is Claudine Clouch, and she's the governess of the Smite household. So that's important because there's a few other members from the Smite household on the wall. We don't know exactly who this family is or why they're important, but it's a big part of the artwork here. Um, She was said to be quite staunch in her teaching methods. Do you know what staunch means? I would, does that mean like strict or like short? I was going to use context clues and go with strict. Um, And one of her quotes, which is quite creepy, is that children shouldn't wander through the afterlife as a bunch of dotish or dolish ninnies. So she sounds very old school just from the way that she's talking. Again, it might be in that same time period in the 1800s. And it Don't is, you think? I believe so. And it is important to note is that Gideon's has said that you can come visit these spirits. Mm. And so they have confirmed like these are dead and they are, <laughs> they are here at Gideon's. They definitely look dead in the pictures. So the next one is Smitty. And basically what we know about him is that he was an orphaned boy who was taken in by the Smite family. And he was very well known for his pick pocketing skills, which might have contributed to some of the oddities and antiquities in the store, I'd like to think. Could have. Um, His sister, Rosemond, is also on the wall, and she was basically the assistant who would run around. She um, was known for delivering a swift kick to the knees if they needed to get a getaway. So she was like the trusty sidekick. Out of the pair. The brute force. The brute force, yes. And if you're looking for these characters on the wall, you can definitely pick them out based on their appearances. They have little clues as to which one is which. Exactly. The next one is Melville Watts. So he had a lifetime career in banking, which changed his, changed his features to reveal the rodent he had become. So he was a rat is what I'm picking up and you can see that in his ears yes so little hidden details melville is ver- a very rat type name it is what's the name of the guy from harry potter who was a rat Ooh, lugworm or something like that i think you just took that from 
Oh. <laughs> Our story here. <laughs> so I'm going to go with no. <laughs> Not lugworm? No. Our guy's lindworm. Same difference. Okay. I don't All know of our Harry name. Potter fans are mad at us. I know. They're screaming right now. Sorry, Colleen. So the next one is Dr. Kenneth Agney. We don't know what kind of doctor. We assume a medical doctor because the character right above him is Nurse Stillwater, who reportedly had worked with him for over 100 years. That's kind of telling. It is kind of telling. And he is wearing, isn't he wearing a stethoscope? He is, and she has the nurse's hat. And I guess, you know, obviously he's a medical doctor, but is he a psychiatrist? Is he a surgeon? Is he... We don't know that yet. We don't know that yet. There's two more. So Valentine Carmichael, and his quote was that he wasn't even there when he was all there. So he was kind of crazy. And you can tell because he has like the manic looking eyes. They're like wide open you can tell that there's a lot going on in there. Or not much. <laughs> or, <laughs> or he's not all there. Either way, no matter how you look at it. The last one is Bertrand Lasai. Is that how you would say that? We're yeah. going with it. He was the most handsome and debonair man in town. But many also said he was a monster. So he's the one with the sharp teeth. Bum, bum, bum. So again... We just know a little bit about all these characters. I'm interested to see, because some of them are already tying into each other, like the children and the nanny, um, and then the doctor and the nurse. So I'm interested to see how they tie into the bigger picture with Mr. Lindworm. And we also know that the gargoyle has a name and a story as well. And so he sits outside on the very top. He's holding the Gideon's G. Yeah. So, I mean, all these things are at work, and it's super exciting that we're going to slowly be able to pick up the crumbs, pun intended, <laughs> over time and put this together. And maybe they'll tell the story through their food. Maybe they'll tell the story through merchandise, events, Instagram, whatever it might be, on how they keep expanding on this story for us. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely one, just with the name, with the curiosities. I mean, they could, you know, keep this going for as long as they want. So I think the biggest questions that I have going forward, now that we know all these characters and we know Mr. Lindworm, mm -hmm. is did they know each other? What timeline are we dealing with? You know, did the, did these characters move in after Lindworm? Were they people that he knew in his lifetime? So it's very interesting. And I'm also interested to know, as we go further into Disney Springs, does Lindworm tie in with anybody else? I already mentioned Enzo's Highway once, but I can give this example. It is confirmed that Jock Lindsay and Maria and Enzo knew each other and we'll tell that story at a later date but it'll be interesting to know like does did lindworm have any run-ins with anybody else in disney springs like we know there's two sisters at amaretts did he know them 
Maybe he, maybe everyone avoided him. Maybe the people on the wall are people that he did wrong. And when they died, they came to haunt him. Maybe. I guess the other lingering question is, could he be part of C? This is your most exciting, what would you call that? Conspiracy theory? Uh, It's not really conspiracy, but it's a... Just theory. a theory, okay. fan theory. Fan theory. You know, he's right there across from Hangar Bar, mm-hmm. which is our C tie-in at Disney Springs. You know, is there more to the story of why Jock wanted to build right there? Is it something to do with this bookshop that he met another member and decided to build right across from there? I don't know. It'd be really cool if we continue to find that stuff out. Oh, for sure. So the last little part of this is that we wanted to talk about just the landing and how that ties into the storytelling, because it does give us a more complete picture on why this location works. You know, why is this bookstore turned bakehouse here? Not just because there was a vacancy in Disney Springs, but well, it does kind of, but well, but it does fit into the story, so it's worth bringing up. It does. I mean, and honestly, when they first announced it in this location, I thought it wouldn't work. I would think this is a transportation district. Why would they? Why would a bakehouse be in a transportation district? But the book shop, I think, makes sense because if you think about the people of Disney Springs, I mean, this would be a high traffic area. This would be where they're going to catch a flight, a train, a boat, an amphicar. (laughs) So there would be a lot of traffic here. And if you're traveling, what's one of the things you want to do is you want to read a book. I mean, that would be an obvious thing. So I do, I buy into that story about why they're in this particular location. Well, and then I kind of took it a step farther and... I buy into this location because if Mr. Lindworm was really passionate about these oddities and antiquities, then this would also be the perfect spot for that. Because again, it's a high traffic area. People are coming in and out of Disney Springs from all over. And as they come in, this would be one of the first places that they see. So if they had anything interesting or if they traveled back and they knew that Mr. Lindworm might be interested in some sort of oddity. I mean, this would be like the prime location for trade. I want to know how long Lindworm's store was supposed to be open. Because was it there when C members were visiting Hangar Bar? I'm going to keep bringing it back to this. You will. We can only hope so. if If it was open at the same time that the C members were visiting jock then they for sure would have went in there and been interested with these oddities and antiquities and maybe some of his books as well and maybe they would trade things so it will be really cool if we start to see little like you can see trades that happened you know you find something in jock Lindsay's hangar bar that very clearly came from across the street or vice versa Mm. Yeah, that would be cool. It's quite dimly lit inside, but you can see 
some of the oddities that have been left behind. They're not just bookcases that are in the background. There's little things hidden in like the different crevices and different little spots. Some of them are quite creepy. There's like a hand. That was my favorite, not favorite one. I mean, all in all, I just think it's it's marvelous that this is the level of detail that we can get outside of a theme park. We even made the comment when we were in there last time, like, this feels like an Ollivander's. And I, I know we're making a reference to the Forbidden Place, but it it has that feeling of immersion of that it's... I mean, it's... It's otherworldly. It's otherworldly. And I also really, really enjoy, and this goes for all of Disney Springs, but I think it's especially apparent here, they're not asking us to go back in time for this. This is a place that is right here, right now, but it has a very cool backstory that brings it up to here. The one that I'm curious about as we get closer is, does the Edison ask us to go back in time? Because everything else that we've done is present day. Mm-hmm. But the Edison is the one that I can think of that are they taking us to a different time period? That's a good question. I could see it both ways for that one. We'll get there. The last thing that I wanted to bring up is something that I briefly mentioned earlier. But with this being such an odd, eerie, almost Harry Potter-esque vibe because that was the first thing that I feel like we felt walking in there. It's definitely very dark, very gothic, interesting. Like does this story fit in Disney? The way in a in a cookie cutter kind of way. Not in a cookie cutter way, I don't think, but I am very excited that they're willing to go down some of these roads. I think you know, if you even if you just look at what's happening on TV, and I'm going to bring it back to WandaVision, <laughs> this is a completely different genre than we've ever had. And Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness is going to be a horror movie. And so I think it's really, really cool that Disney and all the other companies under the umbrella are willing to start branching out a little bit and telling a story for a different type of of audience that's maybe not interested in princesses and, you know, that kind of, and fairy tales. Mm -hmm. Now we fall, or I guess I'll just speak for myself. I fall into the category that I like both of those things, but you just think about Gideon's. That's a, that's a completely different group of people that you could potentially attract that are interested in that kind of stuff and that kind of story being told to them that I think previously, and I hate to compare previously, that's where universal excels is taking the different route. Well, if Disney proves that they can, they can be weird. They can be creepy. They can be Gothic. Then heck yeah. Bring it on. (laughs) That was just my kind of my final thought. It is truly a one one of a kind experience. We had watched some of the videos before we went, but you will be shocked that you are in Disney Springs when you're in there, I think. 
I mean, like we said, it completely transports you. They're very secretive about what's inside. As in, you know, even though we're in a pandemic, they keep the doors closed. Obviously, when you go inside, you're social distance and they let very, very few people inside at a time, I think for that specific reason. But it is a secret. They don't want you to know what is inside until you get inside. And I think that's part of the lure of, okay, well, not only do I want an amazing treat, but I want to see what's inside. So I'm going to wait two hours. They 100% know the value of storytelling. With everything in mind for building out this shop, both Gideon's and Steve Lewis and the Imagineers knew that they they could potentially create a super rich and super detailed story. And the best part of it that we haven't even mentioned is that all of the art, all of the stuff in there is made by Orlando local artists. Yeah, how did we not bring that up? Which is so cool. And it makes sense because Gideon's is a local place. You know, so that might have been something that Steve was passionate about was, you know, finding those local people, just like the artist, the Mr. Eyes dot art that we mentioned. But yeah, I mean, that's so fun to think about. So this will not be the last time we talk about Gideon's on this podcast. I will go ahead and say that because as this story continues to unfold, we're going to be on top of it. We might have to do a part two. Might have to do a part two. We're going to be asking questions next time we're in there. We're going to go with a list. We or me? Well, I'm going to make the list and then you're going to do the talking. <laughs> Which says a lot because I do not do the talking. I'm starstruck when I get in there. Oh, okay. But I'm, I, I just, we've started off with two bangers with hanger bar and this one. You didn't like the word bangers. It just made me think Miley Cyrus. But it's just, it's fascinating that we never knew that this stuff was there before. And it's exciting to think what else we will discover, which is the ultimate goal for us. And hopefully for you, if you're still listening. Yeah, hopefully you're still listening. Because <laughs> I have a couple things I want to mention before we sign off. We do have a YouTube video coming out tomorrow. For that goes with last episode. So this is for Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. We have our storytelling little video highlights that will be coming out on Friday of this week. And then the Gideon's video will come out next Tuesday. So just to give you guys an update on our content schedule now, Monday is for ep- podcast episodes. Tuesday is for YouTube. Wednesday is the day off. Thursday is for podcast episodes. And Friday is for YouTube. So Brendan is a busy person because he also does lives from the parks. On Mondays and Fridays. Maybe I need to do those on Wednesdays. Only day off. True. But that's, I mean, that's about it. So if you guys have been to Gideon's or if you plan to go soon and you ask the cast members or if you're able to pick up and draw some lines between places, I'm picturing uh, the thing from... Horrible bosses where they've got like all the lines on. The, oh my gosh! Yes, like, drawing connections like the, a drawing board, yeah. basically. Yeah, with suspects. Yeah, if you're able to discover that stuff, please let us know. We are dying for more information on how this all plays out. I think it's bigger than just Gideon's. I think Lindworm 
is a major player in the story of Disney Springs. And we will hopefully discover that over time. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for making these last few episodes huge successes. The downloads have been through the roof recently. We really appreciate that. We got a very kind and nice iTunes review this past week. So thank you so much for submitting that. If you're ever looking for a way to help us grow, that is absolutely the best way to do it. It helps Apple know to push our podcast to more people and suggest it. So thank you so much for listening, for being part of this discussion with us. And we will talk to you on Monday. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Make sure you subscribe and leave us an iTunes review if you enjoyed the show. Between episodes, you can find us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland or visit DetourToNeverland.com. We appreciate you letting us be part of your day. See you real soon.